0: drive all night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com/songs of tori amos. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com/songs of tori amos to help us continue to make high-quality and tori entertainment for you.
1: Well, I think you know when I grew up, it was very fine to be an intellectual woman, but a passionate woman wasn't really okay. And so I've been trying to merge the two, that it's all divine.
0: Hey everybody, you're listening to Drive All Night, the songs of Tori Amos We are your hosts, I'm Efren Jr. And I'm David Anderson And on today's episode, we're talking about Marianne from Tori's third album, Boys for Pelé This is a surprise. Hello. Hey. What are you doing here? (laughs) I never left. You've been here since Mr. Zebra. Yeah, I got so bored. I know. I I walked into the Drive All Night studios and here you were. (laughs) Just with the lights off. I turned on the lights. Ah! Christmas was rough. Right. David's back. (laughs) Um, Well, hello, everybody. Let's talk about David. Lovely David Anderson. When did you start listening to Tori Amos? um 1993
2: really yeah Mm. like right before under the paint came out i think amazing yeah how did you discover tori amos um i was at a catholic school where we had religion class and each class one of us was tasked with leading a prayer or meditation and if we wanted to we could play a song and print out the lyrics and kind of have a discussion and that's of course what everyone opted to do because it was fun And one girl uh, in my class brought in Crucify to play, and the teacher found it offensive and made her pitch to the class why she should be allowed to play it. And if her pitch was compelling enough, then she would play it, and we would all talk about it. And she was willing to do that, and I had not heard Tori up until that point, and she played Crucify, and it (laughs) it was a real moment. It was that weird thing where I'm like, this is oddly familiar, but also unlike anything I've ever heard before. And um, I went out and bought Little Earthquakes based on that. That's a cool teacher. She she was pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. yeah. For an eighth grade religion teacher. Right, <laughs> right. Well, she was
0: willing to play Tori, even though she was offended.
2: That's true. She was open-minded. That probably wouldn't have happened if she was a nun, which we did have, you know, some nuns oh. teaching us. but.
0: Um. So let's talk about this. Danny will no longer be doing the show. She's a busy girl, like we said in the last episode. She's a busy girl. She's got a new practice. And we wish her well. And Eve makes this all
2: look so easy and effortless, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. (laughs) It really does take a lot of time.
0: And Danny, and God bless him, he has always been busy and he has a huge responsibility at hand, which is opening this practice. And I support that he wants to make this the best for himself. Do you know what I mean? Mm And like, yeah. But luckily... When I posted my ad on Craigslist, anyone a Tori Amos fan? The first person to answer was David. But you were
2: just posting that because legally you had to, right? You were hiring internally. Yeah, Everyone I was hiring internally.
0: It. <laughs> i actually posted on m for m just to see Ooh. what weirdos I'd yeah, get. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> not that you're a weirdo if you use Craigslist m for m That's not what I'm saying. But if you're looking for a Tory job and you're looking at m for I mean, I think that probably would be where the Tory jobs are, right? <laughs> they will be now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So after posting my Craigslist ad, who wants to host a Tori Amos podcast? My inbox was flooded with people I know. (laughs) David at the top of the list. David's been a Tori fan for a very long time. And he has strong opinions about every song. And he's been an active listener to the podcast, so he knows the format. And he has plenty of time. Yeah, you're <laughs> we're lucky I got dressed today to do this. So I'm
2: here for you. Save. I'm here for you. <laughs> and just hearing you say I've been a Tory fan for a long time. I mean, it's true, I guess. But <laughs> when I think about it, I've been a Tory fan for longer than I haven't been or Tory yeah. fan. Isn't that crazy? Because we're at that point in our lives now. Yeah. What does it all mean,
0: Eve? Yeah. I think it means that we are... Lifelong Tory fans, basically.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't deny that, nor would I want to. I mean, I'm I'm honored to be here, for sure. I'm honored to have you. Um, And in some ways, I feel like this is like the natural evolution of my contribution to the Tory community, that I can maybe redeem myself a little bit for the Denton Tory's ass. Yeah, well... And at <laughs> least contribute something that's a little more... Substantive fingers crossed.
0: Fingers crossed. David, of course, is referring to a dent in Tory's ass, which is a website he used to run back in the day. You can look up a dent in Tory's ass on the internet archive. You'll find it. It was really funny. He would post pictures and then, like, have silly captions. It was like the memes before memes were memes.
2: It's amazing what you can do when you are in school and miserable and you don't want to go to class or right. do any homework. It's like, I know. I'll teach myself how to build a website.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> um, all for the love of Tori. Yep. But we're happy to have you here, and we're happy to continue on with Boys for Pale. I was afraid. I was like, what's going to happen? Are we going to have to cancel the history show? I know. And right in the thick of it. So it was... Either find someone who knows a lot about Tori that I enjoy spending a lot of time with. Or give up. Or just give up in the middle of Pele and have the world see this project stall at Mr. Zebra. Too bad the burial was premature, Eve said, and smiled. Ding, the end. Ding, the end. Sorry. So thank God we have David. And thank God we're moving forward with Pele. Let's do it. There's so many episodes ahead of us. Oh my God. But we're producing more consistently now. We both have the time. We're going to try to get these out every two weeks plus the Drive All Night Plus episodes that come out once a month, and the Tour All Year episodes that come out once a month, which you can read more about by going to our Patreon, patreon.com slash And speaking of Patreon, we have a lot of new supporters since the tour ended. Let's talk about them, because I like to shout out. So our new patrons so far for January, uh, thank you to Coral Schnippert and Alexander Leger-Small, two people that I adore. And then new patrons for December, Denise Yingling Devin Adante, Christina Minter, Jennifer Palmy, Jen Buchanan, Ashley Osterer, Jorge Santiago, Christian Hurley, Phoebus Purple, and Pablo Rucobo. Also, people who have upgraded their pledges: we have Aurora Aris, Brandon Valenzio, Douglas Nepper, Janelle Lee Campion, Kelly Sullivan, Anne Ferguson. Char Manley, Valerie Lord, Anthony Baldman, and Patrick Herity. Thank you guys so much for your support. So happy to have you in the family. Um, And remember, there's still time. We have our Steve Caton Part 2 coming out at the end of January 2018. So there's still time to become a supporter and hear Part 2, Part 1, and Part 2. I'm coming on board full-time at
2: the same time as our new supporters, so I feel close to you guys already. We're in this together. Yeah. Um,
0: What are you drinking right now?
2: I'm drinking pumpkin tea that I'm hoping will keep me from um, having a coughing spell because I'm a little under the weather. So it's a nice little tea fireside chat for Marianne
0: there is a fire going sort of yes there's a candle Mm -hmm. with three wicks a burning join us by the fire gentle listeners (laughs) join us by the vanilla candle (laughs) anything exciting anything new to report Pele's birthday
2: Mm -hmm. coming up up January 23rd are we gonna do something for that of course we are what do you get the volcano goddess who has everything
0: (laughs) um you get her boys
2: I I guess. I had a birthday party for Paley's 10th anniversary.
0: Really? In 2006?
2: Yep. Here in LA? Yep. People came. My friend Audrey got a cake with the cover of the Tallulah single, and I made like a bowl full of questions. Um, My vision was that the evening would become like the slumber party episode of Beverly Hills 90210, but I was asking questions like, have you ever had sex to a Tory song? Oh my God. Have you? No. Let's play now. um, I did get it on once to. Strange Little Girls. Really? Did yeah. you just like press play? New Age starts. Let's yeah. see what happens. I mean
0: New Age is a good is a pretty sexy song mm-hmm. if you just think musically. I've never just a soft coup of the Wurlitzer. Yeah. Yeah. I've n- definitely never done anything
2: sessual to a Tory song. <laughs> I've had a massage to Enya once, though. Oh, That wow. was probably the most <laughs> sensual
0: moment of my life. I mean, life. you can't get any worse than that. Yep. Um, you want to talk about our guests? Sure. Um, today's episode, we're going to have a conversation with Kako, who drew the Marianne story in Comic Book Tattoo. And we'll be talking to Lauren Eshwe as well, who's also going to be part of that phone call. Uh, we also have Martin Eden, who is a super fan, a Marianne super fan. So that should be exciting. How do you feel? I'm ready. You ready? Yeah. Well, then there's only one thing we can do. Roll it, Oliver. That was Rl Atrium's cover of Marianne. And you can find Rl Atrium's music page at blackpanelscript.bandcamp.com. And of course, we'll link to that in our show notes. I'm loving these
2: covers. I kind of feel like in a post-apocalyptic world, I've wandered into the ruins of the church where Pele was recorded, and I'm like oh. hearing the ghosts of the songs oh, that are still lingering there. That's what it sounds that's like. That's great. Yeah. He's
0: doing these especially for us oh, to play on our show. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So his name is James. He's very, very talented, and he's got his own music. So please make sure to check out his Bandcamp page and support him. So this legendary track appears as the sixth song on Boys for Pele. You know that record? Maybe. Um, it also appears on one of the original bootlegs from Chicago, 05. Mm. Gave it some love by putting it on a piano. Further gave it love in 07 by including it on one of the legs and boots, the Melbourne show, 11 Reorchestrated it and included it. On Gold Dust, And I think it's a critical and fan darling until it got to gold Dust Because I feel like people are like, it already has an orchestration. Yeah. Are you surprised this wasn't on Tales of a Librarian? No, I'm not surprised. It wasn't she gave a... us Mary instead of Marianne. No, I'm not surprised. Because it felt like in 03, when she was putting together Tales of a Librarian, she was trying to reinvent herself into a strong, sensual, earth mother after mm. coming off of the Scarlet's Walk tour. S-I-N, sensual? Sensual, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so... I think she
2: was distancing herself from Pele a lot. I agree, which is why Mr. Zebra and Way Down
0: are the only songs, yeah. from Pele included and Professional that. Widow.
2: Retrospective, right? Yeah. Yeah, the remix doesn't. The remix. Count.
0: There's no reason Cod Light Sneeze shouldn't be on there. So huge. Agreed. Hit. Yeah. Although I'm
2: glad that we were spared the reconditioning oh. that it would have gotten for inclusion uh. on that.
0: You never know. It could have brought out background vocals. It could have brought those insane background vocals out. Ina na, who else? Ina <laughs> na, shana na. <laughs> Maybe that's what she's saying. Sha-na-na-na. For those, oh my
2: god! For those of you who can't see it, one of my favorite things is watching Eve reenact <laughs> the Tori recording the background vocals uh. from the Boys for <laughs> Melee EPK.
0: It's so good. Yeah, I'll do it for you, anyone who asks. I'll do a live <laughs> video for just just text me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I do it. I do it all the time.
1: Um... Mary Ann came to visit me, the spirit of Mary Ann, and Mary Ann Curtis was a girl that I went to school with, and uh, some say she killed herself, some say she died over an OD. I choose to believe that Marianne just um to me, she was kind of like a young Mary Magdalene. She, it just wasn't, the world couldn't hold her anymore. They couldn't Um, understand her energy. I think anybody that knew Marianne would tell you that she reflected the best parts of you back. So when you'd look into Marianne's eyes, yes, of course she was beautiful, but you felt beautiful because Marianne never hated anything, anybody and so when she died you felt like this thing that reflected the best part of you had died so for marianne to come back again was um it was uh like the second coming for me really i should do that so that's i'll do that then I don't know this song very well, because it was written as as you hear it on the record, and I have to learn it. So if I mess up, I'll learn it better.
0: That was from Just Passing Through, WFHS, February 11th, 1996.
2: Yeah, this song was so prevalent in all of the press for this album, and she talked about it a lot. She told that story a lot, and you know, of course that continued on the tour when she would often introduce the song by telling a version of that story. And I feel like that was not true in the past of other songs, Mm -hmm. that she made a point of sort of talking about the origin of them repeatedly. So it's obviously a really important song for her. And I think it's an important song in her canon, really.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is Tori doing what Tori does best. Um, And it was very important during the press cycle of this tour. If I And we have a live count of it, but she did it several times, even before the tour started. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, And this
2: is, you know, obviously not the hit single, Crowd Pleaser. Not that Pele really has any version of a hit single, but it definitely wasn't Marianne. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think this is a quintessential Tori song and Kind of one for the time capsule. It's not one of my personal favorites in the sense that I don't necessarily have a really personal connection to it, but I think it's an amazing song and probably one that I would choose if I needed to introduce someone to Tori or demonstrate what Tori does well. I think this song would definitely be
0: on the list for sure. Right, right. And being here in in 1996, she was in peak form. This muse was blessing her, this thing was obviously in the air, for her. this song to come out fully formed like this. Do you know what I mean? I want to talk a little bit about that, Marianne's origin story. Yeah, let's do Marianne it. begins,
2: Marianne rising. <laughs> I mean, the narrative of this song, and we've heard, you know, various versions of it, was that it was born in the moment. And, you know, from that, I take kind of that she just sat down at the piano and started playing, and this is what came out. What do you, what do you think about that? Not that I'm questioning the sort of veracity of that story, I guess, but... There are a couple songs where the genesis of the song has been described in a similar way. And, yeah, I'm curious what you think about that. As we've noted
0: before, Bells for Her came out in one sitting.
2: What do you think they mean by one sitting, though? Because Bells for Her is a good example. I mean, they went to the trouble of creating the prepared piano. So, obviously, she knew she was going to do something. So, does that mean, and this would kind of be my guess, that she has kind of a song sketch or maybe just some like key words or phrases that she's playing with and hasn't like fully fleshed out a song. But I would think that she has some indication of where she's going when she sits down and it may become something totally different. But
0: yeah, I mean, of course, I feel like the same with an improv that she does in a show. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, she'll sort of have a thing that she knows what she's do- like, the prepared piano, the story goes that she told them something's coming I don't know when it's coming but something's coming and then the morning that it happened she said I really feel it today we got to make sure that that piano is ready and so when she walked into the room and she got it in one take it's more that it's one take the first time yeah of course I think she probably had the quickest girl in the frying pan maybe in her head right or came to her in that moment whatever but there were obviously like yeah maybe not so much as a song sketch where she'd even demoed it or even Had played it for herself privately, Mm -hmm. but probably key phrases. Yeah, but I don't think that takes away from the legend that is the fact that she what she did for the first time in that studio is what we hear on the record. and I think that's very cool.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think it takes away from it at all. And, you know, again, we've heard various versions of that story about most well, songs on this album, including Not the Red Baron, I guess. And it, to me that makes I can see that a little more with Not the Red Baron. It seems a little more loose and unstructured. Mm. Marianne is really almost like a fully formed song. It doesn't have a traditional like verse chorus structure. Yeah. I guess. And that's why but, I
0: believe it is because it doesn't follow that verse chorus structure. Right. You know, if if it were perfectly formed with rhyme schemes and then like Going back to the chorus and then a wonderful bridge. But it, this is very stream of conscious and mm-hmm. it does feel like she's um, just letting the song go wherever it takes right. her. You know what I mean?
2: I wonder what that feels like for her when she can feel the song coming. And yeah. She's like,
0: Mark, I need a Leslie. Right. Stat. Get me a cabinet. All right. Um, I imagine she's used to it by now. I imagine she like can feel like, oh shit, something's going to hit. She's probably like in control of it by now. Do you
2: think she still has those moments and that any of the recent songs sort of had a similar beginning?
0: Yeah, I think that as the most recent one that I've heard of is Wild Way. You know, she sat down to play Wild Way and just bam, she was looking right at Mark. I hate you. I hate you more. (laughs) I mean, I hate you, I do.
2: (laughs) We're looking at each other now. We're locking eyes. (laughs) I get to be Tori. I feel like we're recreating the moment. I get to be Tori. Eve, don't forget... You're the one who made me feel gorgeous. I,
0: I, I see. I couldn't. I, c- I can't access those lyrics because I've been so in Marianne. Can't believe territory. I can I know.
2: You immerse yourself. I do. Your I like,
0: method. I spent exactly. I if two there's two weeks a method in Marianne. If Eve, Eve does it. I've developed it. I'll teach, yeah. I should teach a course. I should teach a seminar. Do it. How to immerse yourself completely and wholeheartedly in not finding a job. <laughs> it is an art. It is an art. I'm mastering it myself. This is. I would like this to be my job. I have never cared more. I mean, I can't say never. I'm a theater director, and I've done a lot of theater in my life. And I care about every project that I put my name on intensely and completely. And I think the difference with this is that it's gone on so long. Mm -hmm. It's a labor of love,
2: obviously. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you wouldn't commit to doing something Mm -hmm. on this scale. But um, I find for me, I haven't thought about... The the songs have been with me for so long that I kind of take them for granted. And that listening to the show and now having the privilege of participating in it, I'm forced to kind of go back and really listen and look at the lyrics and pay attention. And I'm finding things 20 plus years later that I hadn't found or that never even occurred to me just by nature of hearing other people's perspectives, which I love.
0: And the cool thing about doing it is having to put voice to like thoughts that you never actually said out loud. What does this song mean to me? What do I think this means? And that's what keeps it exciting and fresh with every new song. So let's get into Marianne. Marianne was a person and she was introduced for the first time in Tori's catalog in Sister Janet.
2: I think she was asked after Sister Janet was released to talk about Marianne and what role she played in Tori's life and why she was in the song. Um, Yeah, that was an Upside Down, issue number four, page 22. And why don't you read that quote? Marianne Curtis is a girl I went to school with in junior high. She was the kind of person everyone adored. She was just magical. I had written a song about her years ago, which I used to play in the bar sometimes. It never went any further than being performed. I didn't record it. Since then, I've always wanted to have Marianne in a song. She died from a drug overdose when she was 15. It is not known, but I don't believe it was a suicide. I think she took the wrong things together. She is very special to me and comes to visit in my songs sometimes." Also worth noting at that point, and the Cornflake Girl single, UK single, which is where Sister Janet was first released, included the lyrics, and Marianne was spelled with a Y, which is different than the way it shows up on Boys for Pele. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, David has gone down and pulled out the CD. <laughs> we have confirmed. Yeah. Eve didn't believe me. Can you it's guys? It's not that I didn't. I, it's not that I didn't believe you. I had never. I've never owned this one. Oh. I own the other Cornflake Girl, the, the US, US version. Uh huh. So that didn't have Sister Janet lyrics. That's mostly what I didn't believe, was that there were Sister Janet lyrics. But they are in the UK version, and Mm -hmm. she spells it with a Y. And my thought on that instantly is when she says, I can even see Sweet Marianne, she's talking about the Marianne she knew. But I think Marianne, the song, which is spelled with an I, maybe it is more of a character in this underworld. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we can, we're can we going to talk about the narrative of Pele when we get there. But this Marianne character, I think the reason it's spelled with an I is to give a, a distinction between who she's talking about and the inspiration for who she's talking about, which is Marianne Curtis.
2: I would agree with that. In this case, not a typo. And <laughs> right, that she was right. making an effort to focus it away from the real Marianne and make it more universal. Yeah. Turns out there's no "I" in "team," but oh. there is one in "Marianne." And I mean, the way her mind works, who knows? Maybe that was her way of inserting herself oh, into the character of Marianne. Well, there's also as...
0: the famous "Marianne Faithful," and then the famous song "So Long, Marianne" by Leonard Cohen. Those uh-huh. are all with an "I." So
2: I like the idea that it's a fusion of all of those, mm-hmm. all of those things, and all those influences.
0: Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. He, so let's talk about Marianne Curtis, the person. Um, this is an email archived online from Richard Handel, and he says, Anyhow, Marianne Curtis was a girl who Tori went to junior high school with who died of a drug overdose when she was 16. She'd been at a party and had taken a dangerous combination of things. By all accounts, she was an amazing, beautiful person. People who knew her back then strongly and fondly remember her to this day, even if they've never heard Tori's song about her. And I think that's generally true. Um, Everyone in that community recalls her fondly, Um, Let's play a couple more things that she said about Marianne, yeah? Great.
1: Marianne's based on a girl that I went to school with. I mean, actually, she's a lot of people, but there was a Marianne that I knew that um, they say killed herself. And the thing about when Marianne passed was that um, when she looked in your eyes, you saw you better than you've ever seen yourself. Just the way she would look at you. um, I never in my life saw a a nasty thing come out of her. And she was the coolest. I mean, she was the coolest girl. But she never put that out so that when she passed, you see, the thing that reflected the best part of you had passed. And that was part of the grieving that happened with Marianne because nobody could find a good piece of themselves for a very long time after Marianne passed.
0: That was February 5th, 1996 from WNEW, New York. Um, And here's from Music Week, December 16th, 1995. Tori said, Marianne died when I was 14. They say she killed herself. She ended up on this little record because if I could have been anybody, it would have been Marianne. And then she talks more about Boys for Pele. She says, it's the story of this woman who happens to be a redhead and the descent on her own to find fragments of herself. Each song is a piece of herself, which she has to find to stand on her own without what she thought was her other half. Part of that is emotional, and part of that is cheeky, and part of that is sadness, and then there is freedom. So it's quite a journey. It's a busy little book, this one. Let's talk about where Marianne, the song, fits on the album in the narrative of Boys for Pele. You want to talk about that? I do, and I was going to ask you
2: why you think Marianne falls where it does a third of the way through the album. After Professional Widow, after Father Lucifer, even after Mr. Zebra, obviously, Mm -hmm. it seems... If I was going to look at it, as a novel Mm -hmm. with a linear narrative which Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not saying boys for paleo necessarily has a linear narrative Mm -hmm. I think things sort of take place out of order or stream of consciousness maybe and I have to say that because otherwise I can't necessarily see why Marianne wouldn't be placed earlier on the album because it does seem so rooted In childhood for Uh me and Uh nostalgia for childhood and kind of the the death if you will of innocence and the little girl in everyone so it's like why wouldn't that happen kind of before we get to professional widow um my only answer for that at the moment before we talk about a little bit more is maybe she's sort of looking back at that point wondering how she got to this point Mm. and then she kind of jumps back Mm -hmm. to childhood and kind of the loss of innocence at that point and she's
0: reflecting on that as opposed to it happening in real time right that's funny because i think that Voice for pele has a very clear linear narrative okay that's just for me mm-hmm. i do think she, i agree with you she is looking back at herself but i feel like only when she's left the widow and now she is in this vast underworld alone here's this giant empty space and she has to figure out, she has to reclaim herself and who comes floating by the first and most important person she's lost in her life up to that point. This girl who now Marianne who comes to her, I feel is acts as sort of like her spirit guide through this. Do you know what I mean? I think that the first person she grapples with in this afterlife or in this underworld is a safe person that meant a lot to her. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and she, and you're right. It is about reclaiming her girlhood and, and going back to that time. So maybe that, that is why it happens now, that she's alone in this underworld. She's met the widow. She's got her talisman. And now she can go on. And the first person she sees is something that takes her back to her youth.
2: Yeah, I can see that. And I guess I also experience it as her kind of final dance with adolescence, maybe, okay. and letting it go. For the last time before fully moving into adulthood and figuring out who she is, how she's going to navigate the world and her relationships
0: as an adult. Right. I think that's accurate because it's all rooted in the childhood for her too, you know, mm-hmm. as she was a child player and as she had so much pressure as a student of Peabody and the religious part of her upbringing, you know what I mean, and not being able to express herself. It all starts at the childhood level in the
2: formative years. In B-Side magazine from June 96, Tori's talking about the album and the sequencing on the album and post-Mr. Zebra. She says, she's tired of the poisoning. We've been relying on her too much. Yeah, and she's tired of it, and part of you has to die. And in Marianne, it's the whole Mary Magdalene reference. A young girl who I knew that died. So what does she mean by it's the whole Mary Magdalene reference?
0: Well, then she goes on to say, there's the whole idea of that part of woman that has been dormant, who's been dead. The quickest girl in the frying pan, the priestesses who showed her they were one with the knowledge and the passion. Man, get rid of them. So Marianne to her represents... Someone who was in touch with herself, someone who represented that side, who had access to both sides of herself. Do you know what I mean? I do. And it also
2: is sort of reminding me of the way she talks about the Lucy character, Mm -hmm. that it's kind of archetypal female or an innocent part of her. That That she's Lucy and Marianne's Marianne. Yeah, and also that her concept of Marianne is similar to her concept of Lucy in that it's like the all-woman, particularly in childhood,
0: before. It's interesting in that quote that she says, The quickest girl in the frying pan, the priestesses who showed her they were one with the knowledge and the passion, get rid of them. Hmm. So those who are one with the knowledge and the passion are the first to expire. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And that makes sense in terms of the Mary Magdalene reference, because Mary Magdalene is seen as the sacred divine or the female divine. Right. The female
0: part of God. And Tori talks a lot about that in the press for this album right? as well. Um, there's another quote from The Baltimore Sun, January 21st, 1996. The writer says, And so it went, with Amos finding various aspects of the feminine in each song. Marianne, with its rippling piano and melancholy melody, represents the death of the girlhood for Amos. So that's maybe answered, it goes back to your question, why is this? In the linear narrative, if she's going to find her womanhood, Mm -hmm. the first thing that has to die is her girlhood. Yes. And the only way she can do that is by getting that talisman from the widow. So it only, for me, it fits that this song can only fit here. Once she's on this journey towards womanhood, she's got the key that she needs. The first thing that's got to go is the girlhood.
2: I can totally see that. I just feel like from a storytelling standpoint, it would please me personally more (laughs) if it took place maybe even after Father Lucifer. So do you think any part of this is informed just based on how pleasing the sequence is musically? Like how they they sound following each other?
0: Of course, I think that it is entirely that. And she's built the story around, you know, how it sounds Mm -hmm. but I think when she's putting this album together she's wondering why this fits here and how this fits into the story and she's and it's occurring to her like oh this to me represents the the death of the girlhood which I needed before you know like of course I think it is how it sounds you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like if it doesn't sound good it's not going to go there even if that's original intention you know what I mean but I think that I feel like she really took time to craft a a novel like she talks about in Mm -hmm. the press you know
2: I guess part of my perspective is also being formed by another quote, which we don't have in front of us. I think it's also from Upside Down, but she's talking about the mastering and song selection process. And at that point, she's still moving songs around and kicking things off and deciding what the final track listing is going to be. And she says something like, when I look at the story, it's, it's kind of reading for me right now, but I also cock my head at certain points and say like, I don't really get why that's going here or what that means, but I guess I'll figure it out later. So that to me means... Is this a novel, but then the narrative isn't necessarily totally linear if for no other reason than at certain points you stop and you have a dalliance in the past or you're reflecting on something that happened. Yeah,
0: yeah. like in any novel, right? Yeah. Would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which informs, I think, perspective at that moment in the novel. But yeah, you're right. I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Sold. Sold. Um, let's talk about the recording process of Marianne, yeah? We, I willingly believe Tori's story that this came to her all in one sitting. You are an active disagreeer.
2: I don't disagree at all. I I love hearing any artist talk about what their creative process is, particularly Tori. I feel like she had some song sketch, some phrases floating around in her mind, maybe even a very, very loose outline for the song or a section or two, not that. Like she hadn't even considered writing Marianne into a song, hadn't given a second's thought. And she, you know, cracked her knuckles and sat down in the box to start warming up to record that day. And like, well, what's happening? Oh, hit record. I mean, maybe. But I feel like there'd been a little bit of thought put into it. Well, I think But know, that doesn't at all undermine the fact that I absolutely think that Tori has the ability to, if you will, channel. And that things kind of like flow through her because that's the experience I have when I see her live. So I think a version of that for sure. Yeah. But not that just totally unexpected. She Uh, was kind of like taken over. I mean, it's
0: not like she suddenly found herself in a church with (laughs) recording equipment nearby. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're recording an album. She knows she's going to record that day. I think that maybe she was planning on recording something different or working on something else. And she just started playing and maybe words and phrases that she logged before or written on her hand. Mm-hmm. Or had even, you know, they all just came to her in that moment. And that's what she means. I don't think she's implying like, well, what am I doing in this church in Delgany? No.
2: I, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? But I just mean that she was between recording, you know, whatever was on her list that day. Like, right. today I'm doing Caudillite's Knees and Hey Jupiter. And Before You Know It, like this whole other song right. out Today of we're working on
0: Sucker. We're yeah. going to get
2: Sucker on the album. And then she was derailed. Ugh. But see, now Sucker, I do believe, came out of nowhere and she just started like mashing on the harpsichord. Yeah. And I actually love Sucker. I I can't believe it wasn't released as a B side. Uh, Sucker's great. Originally. Yeah. And and I much prefer it. I much prefer Sucker to Walk to Dublin. I
0: prefer Walk to Dublin, but Mm -hmm. I love Sucker. You can have it. I can. We we can both be happy. From B side magazine in May, June 1996, it was written No demos were done for any of the songs on Pele. Which we know is not true because we later got a demo for Beauty Queen. So. I don't know. I don't think that was a demo. I think that was an alternate recording.
2: You do? Yeah. Like, mm. she didn't. Re- de-
0: a demo means like she wrote it on a piano at home or somewhere, and then they went into the studio to work on that song. Fire Eater's Wife and Beauty Queen was clearly recorded in the church, if you can hear the like. Really? To yeah. me, the quality is different. No, and she it has it the sounds... harmonium with her. Yeah, She's got, she does. Yeah.
2: But maybe she had the harmonium at home when she was writing this album and preparing for the recording. To but, me, it sounds like her noodling around on the harmonium. That, to me, the Fire Eater's Wife and Beauty Queen absolutely sounds like she just sat down and like that's what came out of her to me i never really saw it as an alternate take so that's interesting i've always assumed that
0: i guess and we'll never know i guess we will have to believe me mm. this is not the beauty queen episode we this already did not, that. Already nevertheless done. um she says no demos were done for any of the songs on Pele especially beauty queen with fire eater's wife in front of it which you'll get in 06 <laughs> 10 years from now that's in this magazine in 96 she writes. Basically two or three songs on that album and many of the B-sides were written as you hear them here, says Mark Hawley, Tori's husband and sound engineer. Marianne and Not the Red Baron, the first time she ever played them and the first time we ever heard them was the performance that you hear. The whole recording process was really special for that reason. And I do believe that. Mm. I believe that like maybe if Tori's working it out on her own, she's working it out in her head or she's working it out on a keyboard in her bedroom alone. I think probably Mark. That was the first time you ever heard it. Oh,
2: yeah. I agree with that. Yeah.
0: Um, She also did an interview in Spin in March 96. You You want to read that quote? Yes.
2: Amos uses food as a way to talk about everything that isn't food. Searching for sound on Marianne, a song about a childhood friend who died, she told her musicians, it's kind of like that melon slush that I made 10 years ago and poured it out on the side of my little hovel when I lived in L.A. Can you imagine it's having like that, it's like that slush I once drank. Memba. You weren't even remember there, but you, remember, you know what? That's the sound I want. Can you imagine having Tori as your boss? Like, period, but especially in a corporate environment. Right. Like that report you gave me, you gave me pepperoni baked Alaska, but I really wanted Gatorade meatloaf. Can you redo that for me and also figure out what that means?
0: Yes, I can about, That'd be a fun working environment. I would welcome a boss like that's that. That's your style. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's do the line by line, yeah? Great. Stream of conscious A. S. Mm-hmm. Th- again,
2: I think that's such a Tory. This is such a Tory song, and that's such a, a Tory lyric. And I feel like if I had to sort of give someone an example of what Tory does, this would be on the list. It's like it doesn't make any sense, but it makes all the sense in the world, and it's
0: evocative. But a couple years ago, I was reading someone talk about Marianne and. Made total sense of that line, mm. and I'm afraid to talk about it. Why? Because I don't want to take this from anyone. Do you want to tag it? Spoiler alert! Spoiler and like alert! Add some time so that people <laughs> can like
2: skip ahead if right, they don't right, want
0: right. to hear this. I, I, mean, I'm not saying I know anything about it, but I'll tell you. I've always thought blubber in my igloo just kind of like along the same lines of when she says she needs size ten thousand for her ass. Like she's always talking about her thighs or her ass or like extra butter, babe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, she's just blubber to me is like fat. And a little blubber in my igloo, a little fat on my house. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I'd always taken it. Meaning her body. Her body. Okay. But someone said tuna equals fish, Mm -hmm. rubber, condom, and a little blubber in my igloo, Mm. a little blubber in my igloo. (laughs) It's a reference to sex. So the argument was that this is a sexual reference and you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. I mean, I don't. it's not that I agree with it. I was like, oh, that's interesting, mm. an interesting interpretation of it. And then I found this quote from Keyboard Magazine. Do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? Sure, I'll read it. This is from Keyboard Magazine,
2: April 1996. In reference to that opening line, for me to say that line in another way would just make it really gross and crass. Sometimes it's just about how something makes you feel. You've gotta go there, you've gotta be willing to take that trip, and images, tastes, smells, objects, it's associations. To me, these things are concrete. Some were a little more layered than others, no question about that. But I think from beginning to end, it's about a woman's journey, and it's a really emotional journey.
0: To say that any other way would be crass. So tuna rubber, a little blubber in my igloo, right? Yeah, and I can see that because, again, we're talking about looking back at
2: girlhood and letting go of girlhood in the process of becoming a woman and certainly exploring your sexuality is a part of that. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of see interpreting that line through this lens. I'd always steered away from that interpretation, I think, because of this quote. And I didn't interpret the quote as saying, it's a sexual reference, but it's not crass. I always interpret that as saying this is not a sexual reference because that would be too simple of a read on this oh, line. Oh, interesting. Um, and so I sort of moved on from that, interpreting it as a sexual reference. Well, I had never
0: interpreted it as a sexual reference until a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was Because shocking. of hearing what someone else's thoughts were? Yeah, or... to me, it was a shocking turn on that phrase
2: so how did you interpret it i
0: yeah like i thought she was pulling words out of the sky yeah
2: yeah i think i did too and i just appreciated it as kind of an abstract collision of words and images and she liked they were put together because of the way they felt in her mouth mm-hmm. if you will mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that it's very textural mm-hmm. sensual to me wintry obviously igloo but <laughs> again it's just evocative of winter to me and paley is such a winter album really Yo, for sure. And part of that, wow. I think, are you thinking like deep summer in the South? I'm sticky? thinking like
0: fire, hot.
2: Yeah, again, maybe my experience of it is being colored by when the album was released, which was mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. And mm-hmm. I remember that day going to buy the album and listening to it on headphones outside for the first time when it was raining and overcast. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so well suited to that, that time of year and that type of weather. That's
0: th- what I always think of with this album even though it is her fire album the color scheme of the album it is very winter it's blue it's cool and the disc itself has like winter tree on it you know what i mean yep
2: and winter is you know when you withdraw and there's incubation and Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what better time is there than to go within and
0: find your own fire oh yeah the winter of your girlhood (laughs) before the springtime of your voodoo that's right
2: that means when life kind of has its way with you and you begin to lose your innocence uh-huh. and you're trying to maintain that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Pigtails and all, very evocative of childhood, of mm-hmm. girldom.
3: And they said, herself and I said not a chance, not a
2: So why do you think She's so intent on protesting the idea that Marianne may have killed
0: herself. Um, I think it's less of a protest the way I read it and more of a exclamation of like, no way. Like I don't believe
2: that she's dead at all. Yeah.
0: When people say that they find out someone they love has been murdered or is dead, they scream no. Because if they scream no, it's like, it's just not real. Yes. I feel like that is not a chance, not a chance. She repeats it. Okay. And so I feel like that, it's not so much of, there's no way she committed suicide because it's a read on suicide. I think it's more of a, I don't believe she's dead at all. Mm. Like uh, there's no way that she's gone. There's no way that, there's no way.
2: I would agree with that if we were talking about this strictly based on the lyrics as they're presented to us, which Mm. maybe we should be for Mm -hmm. the sake of the line by line. Right. But I can't help but think about other things that Tori has said, like when she's introducing the song and she says things like people say that she overdosed or people say that she killed herself as if she doesn't believe Mm -hmm. necessarily that either one of those things was the cause of her death and that people saying those things as accusatory or kind of slandering her mm-hmm. in some way. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, let's say for the sake of argument that Marianne committed suicide, why that would undermine who Tori experienced her to be as a person or why that would lessen.
0: I think that undermines across the board. Like when you look at someone, let's take Robin Williams, you just don't, it doesn't compute with who you think that person is. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's not that it's undermining necessarily her vision of Marianne. It's just... Perhaps hard to marry with the kind of vivacious, mm. young, alive person she found her to be. And in her experience of her, she gave her, Marianne gave Tori so much in the way of, God, I want to be like her. You know, Robin Williams is so funny. He has it all. It just doesn't make sense that someone that we emulate or respect at that level would not see that they have it all or that we feel they have it all. Do you know what I mean? I can definitely see not being able to reconcile that because sometimes,
2: you know, you have no idea what someone is going through and what their internal world is like and that mm-hmm. it can seemingly come out of nowhere mm-hmm. as far as you're concerned, but that that's not
0: ever really the case. Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, that's never the case. And we always for- we do forget that everyone has a rich interior life. Mm-hmm and a complex interior life that we know nothing about. Um, Everybody does. Do you know what I mean? And we're so focused on our own experience when we learn. It's like when you learn someone did something terrible to someone else. When you learn someone is, you know, when you learn anything about someone that doesn't fit into the experience that you have with them, it's Mm. so, you know, like, oh, he would never do that. Well, you don't know. Everybody's (laughs) richly complex and Maybe that person didn't present themselves as a murderer to you, but that person murdered his family or whatever. I don't know. But
2: you know what I'm saying? I do. And obviously, I don't know how close Tori was to the real Marianne. Um, and to me, the, the fact that she feels the need to keep telling this story um, throughout the kind of cycle of this album means that she's trying to she's still trying to wrap her head around Mm -hmm. what happened Mm -hmm. and almost saying like i wish i wish i'd known her better or i wish i'd known what was really going on
0: yeah with her so maybe it's her coming to terms with it for herself Mm -hmm. right yes and again we have to remember this could be the reason why it's marianne with an I and not why right it's not this part maybe isn't about the real marianne Mm. Regardless of whatever her own personal thoughts are, are on suicide or in this particular case, I do feel still like as a tribute. For sure. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Don't
3: you love the girls, ladies, babes not beg to say she was so pretty.
0: I think that she's counting herself among them. Like she is one of the girls— ladies now who says she was so pretty like how could she have done this
2: oh interesting yeah my read on that line was always just kind of she was tori or the narrator of the song was calling out all these women who were kind of gossiping about what had happened oh and maybe even like making light of it like oh she was so pretty like why do why do things like that have to happen I'm going, uh, again, I'm going back to the Mary Magdalene reference, with which Tori kind of made offhandedly. But that line brings me back to that. You know, in the Bible, there's no reference to, Mar- to Mary Magdalene being a prostitute. Uh-huh. That became church tradition after the fact when, you know, there was a patriarchal need to reduce the role that Mary Magdalene played in the church and oh, the life of Jesus to kind of turn her into a prostitute to take her power away. Oh, wow. And to me, that's kind of a little bit of what's happening here is, People are just kind of gossiping and reducing Marianne to something like, oh, well, she was so pretty and why just sort of taking all of her power away and making making her about nothing other than the fact that she overdosed or she took drugs or she killed herself and it's just kind of like distasteful. Never mind who she was as a light in the world to other people that her life in the end just
0: becomes all about that. I didn't know that about Mm -hmm. Mary Magdalene either. Mm -hmm. And then... To me, Old Deep Ravine sometimes sounds like O.D., Old oh, Deep Ravine. Oh, I never thought of that. Especially with the way she sings it live, you know? So to me, I always hear, even though she's not saying O.D., I hear O.D. a lot. Interesting. Yeah, that never occurred to me. Really? I mean, it might be just entirely coincidental, but that's what I hear.
3: Come on,
2: I kind of hear again we're talking about letting go of childhood or moving out of childhood and get your bags and hold down hold down makes me feel like there's a gathering a gathering storm mm-hmm. and in this case it's kind of the gathering storm of adulthood and how am I going to make it through this how am I going to how am I going to make it and a sailor is such a strong masculine reference to me mm-hmm. it's almost the same thing as like a prince charming mm-hmm. character like looking out into the future at potential romantic partners or even someone who will help save me mm-hmm. like this is it the storm of adulthood is coming everyone just kind of <laughs> hunker
0: down <laughs> right right i think that too and also maybe there's something very stream of conscious about this mm-hmm. you know just as turn the the way the words are coming out like you said earlier just the way they sound in her mouth yes yeah because
3: it is what she-
0: Ed, I think a reference to her father. For sure. I love that it's watching my every
2: sound because you don't watch a sound. Obviously you listen to a sound, but I always think about the way Tori talked about in her household, the only place she could put her passion was into music Mm -hmm. and playing the piano. Mm -hmm. And that was her safe place where her father or whoever didn't really know what she was thinking or doing when she was wiggling. So that's when I think of, he's watching my sound trying to figure out what I'm really doing or saying, but he can't crack that code.
0: And then to go further with that, there is a storm coming, like you said, and Marianne's killed herself or not, but Marianne's gone. And if we're back to girlhood, Edison, my father's watching my every sound. He's got his eye on me Mm -hmm. in this time of great mourning. And then she turns it from just the single person watching her to the group. They're all watching her. They're all trying to figure out what she's thinking. I see a little Tory there. I see a young Tory there. And maybe even going from young to old in that phrase, because Ed is watching my every sound when I was a young girl. And now everybody's always watching that every sound. You yeah, know what I mean? It, we are even, Mark and Marcel, the people that go to the shows. Isn't that how we all feel <laughs> as adolescents too? Like
2: everyone's watching you, mm-hmm. your parents or whoever, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out who you are. And you feel like you're just constantly being scrutinized. And mm-hmm. not only that, but you have to perform. Mm-hmm. In her case, literally, and maybe for a lot of other people too, but that you have certain standards you're expected to meet and that you don't have a moment to yourself or a thought that's your own and that you're always trying to please yeah. everyone else. Yeah. Maybe that's just Still, me. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I, no, I think you also Still feel there. very self-conscious. <laughs> oh, God. No, I think you feel very self-conscious when you're a teenager, yes, too, you yes. know? So you feel like everybody's watching you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What does that mean? What does
2: that mean? The weasel. I think of, you know, of course, like Pop Goes the Weasel. Right. And again, this song is so rooted in, in childhood and there's a stream of consciousness. But also back to the gathering storm and, Trying to keep ahead or outrun something like uh-huh. the weasel squeaks faster than a seven-day week. I'm uh-huh. trying to keep ahead of everyone or everything or trying to please please everyone. Right, just an overdrive. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful magical imagery that fits perfectly into Tori song. It's almost kind of fairy tale like in the same way that Mr. Zebra yeah. is with those kind of cartoony yeah, characters. The weasel squeaking, and then we move from that into. <laughs>
3: Um,
0: This was from People Magazine, February 5th, 1996. How offbeat is singer Tori Amos? How offbeat is she, David? She's so offbeat. Well, her childhood imaginary pal Clunky, a purple monkey, is alive and well and in a song on her third full-length solo CD, Boys for Pele. I've been aware of him for years, says Amos, 32, an American who's single and lives in London. I've had many a dinner with him. He's always sitting on my shoulder. Not anymore. She killed him in 99. Bliss, I know. Kills him.
2: This makes me feel like Annie Wilkes in Misery. Right. Like I need Tori. Bring Clunky back. He's (laughs) not dead. You can write him back into existence. Write him back into the narrative. I'm Um, your number one fan.
0: Who's Timmy? Is Timmy the... I mean, is Timmy hanging out with Bobby? They're at Bobby's house Mm -hmm. with the purple monkey. Mm -hmm. So these are all people from her childhood. This is the same Bobby from Sugar, I'm assuming. Yeah, the one who's collecting bees Mm -hmm. and hammers. Mm -hmm. And are they hanging out with precious things, Billy? And Bill
2: and Ben. Oh, well, Bill and Ben are boats. (laughs) So many men. This looks like your contacts on your phone. But
0: But they're all kids' names. Timmy, Bobby, purple monkey. So they're all down at Bobby's house. Let's listen to the next part. Making themselves
3: pesters and lesters and jesters.
0: All the kids. They're just goofing around, pesters and lesters and jesters, which is all very stream of conscious. They've kind of forgotten about Marianne. But it feels like she's they've betrayed the spirit of Marianne, they've betrayed young Ellen Amos by forgetting about
2: Marianne. That makes sense to me. That's something else that had never occurred to me. For me, I've always taken like a little dalliance from the Marianne narrative for just a second. And I think about at this point, as even a little kid, Tori was in, you know, the Peabody Conservatory, and she there were very high expectations for what she was supposed to achieve. And she talks about the fact that she was already seen as a disappointment. So to me, that's her kind of mourning the fact that in some respects, she didn't get to have a real childhood and that she was always expected to be something amazing. And all these other kids just got to go down the street and play and just be kids. Mm. And she was like, oh, I'm a piano prodigy and everyone is expecting
0: me to do all these amazing things. Coming right after they're watching my every sound. Mm -hmm. Like she's at the piano while they're down at Bobby's house everybody's down there mm-hmm. making themselves pesters and lusters and jesters. are just goofing off
2: and you know literal or not whatever her experience was again as part of childhood and adolescence
0: we all feel that sense of being on the outside looking in mm-hmm. the reason I've always felt like they're betraying Marianne or they, they're not even thinking about Marianne is because she couples it with the next phrase
3: I'm just having thoughts sit
0: So they're making themselves pesters and lesser and while I'm just having thoughts. Yes. I love that line. Tell me why. It doesn't take much to outrun the fastest slug. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Unless the slug is a bullet. Oh, interesting. That never occurred to me.
2: Frankly, neither did I until recently. Kind Tell of when me. I was thinking more about this song. Okay. That a slug is another word for a bullet.
0: Yeah, you're right.
2: Okay. Tell me more. But I, I agree with you in the sense that I always, my first thought was always a, a snail. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So it, she could outrun the fastest slug if slug is a bullet, then she's really goddamn fast. Mm-hmm. And also the quickest girl in the
2: frying pan.
3: Quickest girl in the frying pan.
2: Like Marianne really lived she was always the first one who wanted to
0: experience life and so she's the first one that jumps right into that frying pan and is destroyed by it yep wow wow now if you've thrown my world into discombobulation (laughs) ultimately i think a fine tribute to a young girl who has obviously influenced tori to a great degree for sure
2: I really love and appreciate Yanta's instrumental cover. I think you've said this on the show before, Eve. There's a very short list of things that I would love to have from Tori, and on that list, probably at the top, is instrumental versions of all of these songs. And I feel like that's as close as we're going to get, is Yanta's instrumental versions. And I love just hearing how complicated the compositions are, and I wish we could have instrumental versions of all of these songs. moment I'm gonna have a hard time picking just one let's let's talk through this okay, great. Um, I love at won't you just hold down when the strings come in yeah. and I feel like the song just totally opens up
0: at that point yeah it's um, very cinematic mm-hmm. yes to say my favorite part is the piano in the weasel squeak section just how chaotic it gets completely out of nowhere
2: Purple Monkey are all down at Bobby's. I just think the melody there is so beautiful. I love that.
0: Um, Lyrically, what's your favorite lyrical moment?
2: Probably just having thoughts of Marianne, quicks girl in the frying pan. I love the rhyme of that. It's very pleasing. And it's sort of cheeky, but there's also mournful.
0: It encapsulates what the whole song is about, who Marianne was. Um, I love pigtails and girls and all those sailors. I love jesters and lesters and pesters. I love... Tuna, rubber, a little blubber in my igloo. I love those little turns of phrase throughout Mm. the song. So as far as my favorite lyrical moment goes, I'm I'm going to agree with you. Marianne, the quickest girl in the frying pan, to me is what the song's about. It is so succinctly said. Oh, the line, you know, this
2: song over the years, it, it doesn't really change that much. It's pretty consistent when she performs it. But I do feel that that last line, or second to last line, quickest girl in the frying pan, she changes her inflection. From performance to performance and even the melody is slightly different and she really kind of like emphasizes it I love that there's always like a little she's always in the moment probably in the song in its entirety but always there at the end
0: agreed agreed ah another song mastered I... <laughs> case closed case closed on Marianne <laughs> welcome to our master class
1: boys for Pele boys for Pele boys for Pele baby <laughs>
4: Marianne is one of my favorite songs on the album, but it wasn't always that way. It was actually a sleeper track that grew on me very slowly over the years. I would even at first struggle to remember what its name was for this song, but eventually as I kept listening to it more and more, certain lyrics started to pull out of the song and ever since then they've enraptured me. Lyrics like, she could outrun the fastest slug and quickest girl in the frying pan, tiddles a day, are sometimes some of my favorite Tory lyrics. It creates an energy that is beautifully somber in a way that few Tory songs or any song really can ever achieve. And in this part of the narrative of the album, it's very impactful to reflect on this individual from our past that I think most of us can relate to. We all have some Marianne that I think we find ourselves looking back to in some way, not just because of who they were, what they meant, but what they meant to us and the person they made us be and in this way when we find ourselves thinking of these people like this it's often more that we're thinking of ourselves in the past and what we want to see reflected in the current us so in that way coming up off of side a here into side b right before we hit the powerful caudalized sneeze, i think it's important to have this reflection on others that reflects on ourselves and really captures just the vulnerable sense <laughs>
0: Tour All Year, our private podcast exclusively for Patreon supporters at the $5 level and up. In our first episode, we sat down with Shaggy Jason Irvin, the man, the myth, the legend, and a close personal sister of mine. He's been touring since the 90s, but last month he sat down with us to talk about life, love, and of course, tour. It's January 2018, and this is Tour All Year.
5: I just said, just wake me whenever. And I just got in my sleeping bag and fell asleep. On the ground. On the ground at the Murat Theater. (laughs) I just remember being woken up by the security guard. And It's morning. The sun's out. He's like, you can't sleep here. And I look around. I'm all alone. (sighs) None of my friends are there. I have no idea where they went. I'm in Indianapolis. All alone. With my sleeping bag.
0: I hope you pulled out a Sharpie and wrote one on your wrist.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Number one at that mean and greet. Number one.
0: For immediate access to this and other exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash songs of Tori Amos and become a subscriber today.
2: Oh, so refreshed. How was your break? Uh, I have warmed up my tea. <laughs> you coughed some phlegm out. I know. I'm sorry. Well, Don't be sorry. But ironically, I'll be at 100% for and knees. <laughs> we hope. I
0: mean, knock on wood. You yeah. never know. You never know. So we're about to interview... I'm about... I had a phone call with Martin Eden, who is a super fan of Marianne. Mm-hmm. If you are a super fan and you feel you have a special insight into a song or you have a strong relationship with a song and you would like to talk about why or how or who or what or just give your insight, Um, we always welcome it. So you can email us at Miss at gmail.com. Unless your you're story. team now, then I don't want to hear from oh, you. Oh, oh, that's a new. It's, <laughs> it's starting, starting. Here's the now. thing: is David is team verb. Hell's yes, I am. I can't. So team verbies out there, you finally have representation on this show, you verbulars. I don't know what it says
2: about me that I don't, <laughs> I don't care about anything else as much as I care about this debate. Right. That's not really true. But until the debate was even raised, I didn't realize that I cared about it at all, right. and that I am furious right. at the idea that it could be interpreted as anything other than a verb that is and ridiculous how passionate i am about my noun uh, i'm here for it, especially because that is top three at least top five of my favorites light sneeze really? so
0: yeah that's great for can't sure wait. can't wait to talk about it mm. so before we get martin on the phone i want to read this that i found on a forum on the internet this is from brian allen and he's talking about why he likes marianne He says, the strings, the piano, the juxtaposition of defeat and empowerment, regret and liberation, death and birth. The song carries so much of what, to me, Tori Amos's music is about. I also love that it is one of the most perfect examples of one of Tori's most powerful strengths as a musician, her ability to improvise. Definitely my favorite song by anyone, and definitely a song that highlights the best of her gifts. It's also so about her. So let's talk about that, which we didn't really talk about in the last segment. But yeah, this you were what you, I mean, you talked about it. This is about her girlhood, and we had that sort of caveat back. Brian Allen is saying this is clearly a song about Tori herself. Well said, Brian Allen, on all fronts. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, and you're right. I, I'm willing to accept that this is mostly about Tori and that she's really putting the eye in Marianne. It was a joke before, but now <laughs> it's true. And something really great about what Colin, who was our Boys for Pele baby, said is that when we look back and we think and reflect about people in the past were really reflecting about what they brought out in us Mm -hmm. or what they what that means about us so way to go everybody way to go it was a team effort way to go tori way to go david (laughs) the pele baby colin so insightful and then brian allen not to be confused with byron allen right or debbie allen hi steve Caton. how are you hi guys how you doing how you doing thanks for being here today thanks for having me Head over to Patreon.com songs of Tori Amos, where you can gain immediate access to part one of our Steve Caton interview. Listen to Steve share candid stories from his formative years. I was just punishing myself. I was
4: practicing 16, literally, literally, 16 hours a day.
0: As well as origin stories of some of your favorite songs. I, uh, I said, you know, I, I, I hear something, just, you know, give me, you know, you know splice some tape on the beginning of the reel, you
1: know. Do, do,
3: do, 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 do.
0: Plus, rarely heard why can't Tori read demos join right now at the $10 level and you can gain immediate access to part one plus be ready for part two the moment it's released patreon.com songs of Tori Amos and don't forget part two comes later this month January 2018
4: so you know we were we were in each other's lives a, a lot
0: did you guys ever date? Ladies and gentlemen, we're back, and I have on the line Martin Eden. He is the creator of Omen, Spandex, and Zero's Comics. Tell us your history
6: with Marianne. I've been a fan of Tori since the start. You know, back in 92 when Little Earthquakes came out, and uh, just fell in love, and when Boys for Pelé came out, it was astonishing. Just the perfect album for me. I just love, I I prefer when she's doing a lot more piano-based songs. And Marianne is just my favourite on there because it's just so moving, um, the strings, and I think Boys for Pele was when um, the press kind of started to divide over Mm Tori, and uh, I remember reading a review, I think it was in the NME magazine, and they were saying that this album doesn't make any sense, which I just think is really insulting, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you, you get out of it what you put in you you have to kind of um try and understand it and and even if it doesn't make sense you kind of have to try and connect with how she's singing or what you think she's conveying and i think marianne is one of these songs where you can either just dismiss it and and think the lyrics don't make any sense but for me it's kind of almost like a stream of consciousness the song Mm -hmm and you know the the intro the the tuna rubber it's almost stream of consciousness for me and then it really hits you hard when she she goes you know Marianne killed herself
0: what is your favorite lyrical
6: moment the 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 killed herself line just it's so shocking Mm -hmm. you know it's so unusual Uh, and it kind of takes things from the stream of consciousness and you know kind of really it's almost like a slap around the face mm-hmm. and it, you know what i have to tell you something really terrible i i don't listen to many lyrics is that really bad
0: <laughs> i don't think it. no i think it's everyone's different
6: i just listen to a, a song as a whole and it's like it's more the music that i'm paying attention to and i don't often pay attention to lyrics so this, and this is another reason why tori is so important to me because i actually do listen to her lyrics and i do read her lyrics and i do want to know what she's singing about so What's your favorite musical moment? It's got to be that just when the strings come in after three minutes in, just when, when the music dies away and just the, the strings just go. Absolutely. It's just so dramatic. Okay. It's so it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a, just a beautiful moment.
0: How has your relationship with the song changed? It's been, what, 21 years now?
6: 22 years now, Jesus. Well, it's, it's funny because you, you kind of don't, I don't always listen to the songs. I don't always listen to the old albums unless there's a reason, and it's a shame. I think everyone's the same. I think you know you don't you know you get to love an album and then you kind of just go on to different things. Right. But I put it on just before the podcast um, this weekend, and it came to me almost like a new song, and I and I discovered new things in it, and I it felt like a, a fresh song to me. And I think that's another good thing about Tori is that you can put a song on, and I don't get bored of it because mm-hmm. my uh, one of my other favorite songs is Silent All These Years. Mm-hmm. And that's shocking because I do get bored of songs <laughs> that aren't Tories. Silent All These Years. I'll never get bored of that song. I would never get bored of it. I could listen to it a hundred times and I'll still feel like it's the first time I've listened to it.
0: And Marianne, it doesn't sound dated. It doesn't sound like, of, you know, it just, it still sounds fresh. It's still... It's, it sounds so
6: crisp and I, I did discover new things about it. I I didn't realize that there was so much just solo piano in it for so long and then the strings suddenly kind of creep in and i listened to the um marianne on goldust as well
0: so you started listening to tori early i did um when was your first tori show
6: oh gosh 1992 in birmingham and seeing tori back then was so unique i think she talked more to the audience and she doesn't talk so much anymore she was so talkative and she was so funny she sneezed and she asked someone if she could, if she could borrow a handkerchief. Oh. She was making a joke about the fact that there were some empty seats. She was saying, "Come on, you guys at the back. If you want to come down to the front, there's some seats here." Wait, wait, say that um, again. You know, it was it was, a, it was a busy concert. There was there were pl- plenty of people there. But there were some empty seats at the front, and she invited people to come down and, and fill the empty seats at the front.
0: For all us seat hoppers out there who have seats in the back and hop to the front, we can only assume that she approves.
6: <laughs> Indeed, um, but I, I just wish I could turn back the the clock and and watch it again because I, I honestly didn't know most of the songs she was doing. I, I knew the I knew the little earthquake songs, mm-hmm. but um, she did quite a few. Uh, cover versions, I think. I'm sure she probably did River, mm. um, but I, I just don't know. I just, I'm not very good with cover versions. Right, right. <laughs> well,
0: I'm looking at the Birmingham, England, April eleventh, nineteen ninety two. That was your first show, and the night before she was in Manchester. And just on that set list, she did five covers. So I can only imagine uh, like how many, and then pl- and two B sides, um, upside down, in here in my head as well. So I'm imagining that your show probably was very similar with a lot of like extra stuff. Okay, I want to talk to you about what you do. So you're a you, you're a comic book artist.
6: I am. I mean, my my comics are in my spare time. Mm-hmm. I, I work as a magazine editor. I've always loved comics. I've always created characters and stories, and I, and I I prefer to work alone. I write the stories and I draw it. So I'm a bit of an all rounder.
0: You do reference Tori a lot in
6: the art. I mean, Tori is a huge part of my life really but I feel like I have to kind of put her into my comics what I mean by that is that sometimes like a song title will be a title of one of my issues or sometimes uh, a character will quote part of a song I feel like I put a lot of myself into my comics and Tori is a big part of my life so and also I just get so much strength from her I went to see her in concert It was on the um, Abnormally Attracted to Sin tour and I was really struggling. And I went to the concert just seeing her, like this woman who's just on fire on stage. She's so strong, so empowering, really. Mm -hmm. I I felt better. (laughs) She got me to feel better, you know, just to forget about all my problems. and, And just she inspired me and just to, you know, come on. You've got to be strong now. You've got to pick yourself up, and you've got to get on with it.
0: Beautifully said, and I, I think she does that for a lot of us. And I think that that's something: either you get it and you're in it, or you just don't get it, and you can you can never really understand. You know what I mean? Either she does it for you, or she doesn't. You also did Tory stories for Little Blue World, which was a fanzine, and these comics in the corner that was you. Tell us about that.
6: But you know what? I completely forgot about them, and then I had this kind of light bulb moment. Um, yesterday morning, and I thought, Oh, I did those. <laughs> oh, that was me. <laughs> and I thought, Oh, I must tell you something about those.
0: Now, tell our listeners where they can find you online.
6: You can find me on Instagram or on Twitter. Uh, just look for me, Martin Eden, or Spandex Comic. Uh, you'll find me, you know, wherever.
0: <laughs> um, Martin, lovely to chat with you. And please follow him online. Check out Spandex Comics. Check out The Omen. Check out Zeroes, which is the new thing. And you can check out our Tory stories on our website. With in our show notes. Check those out. Martin, lovely. Thank you so much for talking to us today.
6: Thank you, Ethan. You have a good day. And you too. Bye. Bye.
0: Hi, Lauren. Happy New Year, buddy. Oh, th- thank you. Happy New Year, buddy. Um, Lauren <laughs> Eshwe, we bring Lauren onto our show whenever we want to talk to a comic book artist because, Lauren, would you call yourself a comic book whore?
7: <laughs> no, I wouldn't actually, because there are definitely people that we both know who probably know more about comic books than I do. But I am a bookworm from the womb. I just love storytelling. And I did study, actually in college, I did study graphic narrative for a little while. So like I do find it to be a really intriguing medium and it's so interesting the things you can do visually while telling the story sometimes the way words move across a page or the way they interact with a panel can tell you something different than you would get from reading just like a pure textbook or that you would get watching an animated film or watching a movie like it's just a different weird in between place where like visual and text come together and play on the page and that's is always interesting
0: to me. I'm new to graphic novels. I just finished my first graphic novel ever, which was my friend Dahmer.
7: I'm so proud of you.
0: Um, So I'm new to it and I'm I'm, 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 I'm falling in love with it. I think there's way more credit to it than I ever gave it before. Um, Definitely.
7: It's worth looking at.
0: Absolutely. Um, Shall we get Kako on the phone?
7: Yes, please. I'm very excited to talk to him about this. One of the most unique things I've ever looked
0: at. Yeah. Before we get Kako on the phone, if you are listening to this, dust your comic book tattoo off and take a look at these panels. Pause this because, yeah, it is. uh, They're amazing. So let's get Kako on the phone.
7: Okay,
0: great. Hello. Hi. Hi. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Kako on the phone. He is an award-winning freelance illustrator based in Sao Paulo, Brazil. He is the artist behind the story Marianne in comic book tattoo. Hi, Kako. How are you?
8: I'm fine. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I want to start by getting into a little bit of your own personal story. How old were you when you realized you were an artist? or uh, What's your journey towards illustration?
8: First thing I wanted to be was a movie director. I wanted to work with movies. My my father gave me a Super 8 camera back in the, back in the 80s. And me and my brother started filming. But we we every time we go, go back home, we started to... We keep drawing stuff, making comics. But I only started working full-time as an illustrator 20 years ago. Before that, I, I, I just illustrated for myself.
0: So you you wanted to be a film director, and you certainly got a very cinematic eye, and that's for sure. So what is your process like when you're approaching a work... Um, not necessarily Marianne, but when you approach a new work, because you're, you don't only do comics, right? You illustrate for Entertainment Weekly, for example.
8: Yes. Nowadays, I mainly do illustration, both for editorial and, ad- and advertising. But the process is mostly the same. I, I got the briefing, and I research a lot. I think that's the biggest part of my process is understand. What I'm getting into, not not much for advertising, but for editorial, for example.
7: I'm not an artist by any stretch, but like I'm a person who likes to do a lot of background research, though just yeah. in general. So like that totally makes sense to me. Like you need to know what the thing is before you can give your interpretation of it. I yeah. think that that makes sense.
0: Um, I want to segue a little into uh, the Marianne story in comic book tech too, but first, um, are you a fan of Tori's music?
8: Yes, I am. I was. Um, I was introduced to Tori's work by a fellow comic book artist that is also on the book, uh, Paul Freitas. We yeah. had a studio back then. I think it was '94,
0: '95. So you were already familiar.
8: Yes. yes. Yeah. Her early early work, maybe.
0: Little Earthquakes, Under the Pink.
8: Yes, we should listen to, to those both albums a lot.
0: You know, we're in contact a lot with Rance Hosley, who is of course the editor of Comic Book Tattoo. But how did you originally meet Rance? Did you know Rance before? No, no, no. no. I didn't.
8: Okay. I think I think he, he saw my work in on the of Sebastian book.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. He did talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and I remember him saying that,
8: well, this is a good idea, but with Tori Tori's work, this would be amazing and He called me and and I agreed in a
0: second.
7: Did not have to think about it.
0: Um, Can you tell us how you decided to choose Marianne, the song? It was my favorite
8: song. I liked how simple it was. I liked the the, the weird lyrics. I didn't know back then what it was about. I only discovered what it was about when I started researching for the Then it got too personal for me because At first, Rens told me about the size of the book and then I said, oh, this is going to be amazing that big and I wanted to do something for the reader to make a pause so you're reading this big book, lots of panels, lots of balloons, and I wanted to like the song, that I like from Marianne, that is simple, the, the, the piano. I wanted the reader to breathe a little bit.
7: That definitely comes through, because I have to say, that one is so evocative and really kind of almost arresting, because you're right, it gives you a space of, in my head, I call it like a silent story. This feeling of quiet comes over you. So yeah, that's you what I that. want,
8: because... Because with that size, how many times an artist get a book this size to work with? I, I just wanted this big images and to people. I didn't want to create a story because of the lyrics, because or create any other story to explain the lyrics. I, I just wanted it was an experiment, experiments. And then when I researched it about the, Marianne, the loss of Marianne. I had something similar on my news. I lost a cousin when I was here. And it just clicked. It just fit perfectly. The, the, my story is about also the loss of someone. If you look at the first panel, there's an empty seat. Mm. And it's about living your life, continuing, moving on, doing our stuff.
0: You know, in researching this, I read a little bit about the backstory of the comic, and you told the story about how you were sitting on your porch, and a bee plays very prominently into the story. Um, Do you want to sort of explain to our listeners how that came to be an element in the story? The bee? Yeah.
8: Oh, let me explain. I was doing the work. I I think I was on the last page. I went to my porch, and I placed my arm on top of a bee and it stung me and it was weird <laughs> I still have the bee wow I, I still have it if I have a memento board where I keep everything that meant to me the most in my life wow. and the bees
0: what did you think when the bee stung you <laughs> feel alive that's that's the story feel alive
7: that's beautiful so what are you doing now? What are you generally working on these days?
8: I'm working a lot with book covers. And I'm also working with alternative film movie posters. It's f- fun. But it, I have to squeeze everything between advertising work. And I'm I'm also finally directing advertising movies.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
8: Yes, I started last year. It's weird. It was not
0: on my plans. But then, then it happened. I love that you said it's not in your plans, because to me it sounds like it came full circle for you if you if you started with a Super 8 camera, and now here you are directing films. It's fun, it's strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kako, where can our listeners find you online if they wanted to follow you?
8: Well, I have an Instagram, kakophonia, and my website, dot
0: kakophonia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kako. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Are you alive, David? It's time for the live section. Are you uh, alive? I'm here. Are I'm here? with you. Are you present? Come through. Yep. Well, Tori Amos has done a few concerts in her day. Let's start there. She's one of the rare musicians who can perform her songs live. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that about everybody. She's not piano syncing
2: when she plays? (laughs) I mean, sometimes. I bet she has in her past. Um, Yeah, during Light Sneeze (laughs) on SNL. Save it for the next episode. I'm sorry. I'm always jumping ahead. Save it for the next episode. I want to get one of those boys choir boys. You should do a Where Are They Now? Choir Boy Boy segment. I should.
0: Find those kids. They were the PS22 of their day. (laughs) (laughs) They were. They were the original PS22. Um. Okay, so let's talk about Marianne Live. We do have our Mr. Zebra contest winner that we're going to announce at the end of the episode, but we're already going to introduce a new contest. Because the first time Tori Amos performed Marianne Live was on January 30th, 1996, during her press for the album at River Music Hall, Boston, and that was later released on CD. So we have one of those to give away, thanks to Shay Stimak, but first let's hear it.
3: Little blubber in my like Yes and I knew you a big tale to know a Girls when they fall, and they said Mary and killed herself. Not a love the
2: Gorgeous. I'm a little surprised given how prevalent it was during album promotion that she hadn't done it at like a radio station or something before this, because this is a week after the album.
0: Hit. i mean maybe she did this is this is just what i've narrowed down as the first time so who knows she
2: did say that she had to go back and learn it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know it kind of came out fully formed the first time so yeah. maybe she was still in that process of <laughs> she had to get a copy of her own album right. first right. the week before and then listen to exactly. it exactly like,
0: what was that oh now, huh yeah. promotional use only it, uh-huh. it was stamped on it um so we do have one of those river music hall cds to give away so if you would like a copy call our hotline 323-296-9955 leave us a message with your name and whether you are team noun or team verb and whoever calls will put all your names into a bag and we will draw the name of the winner in the next episode easy simple um, she also did it again february 5th 1996 for wneu let's play a little of that won't you
3: just Dead is watching my every sound I said, the watching.
0: love going back to the beginning you know what i mean i do
2: when the songs are pure yeah. and new yeah and they really did even like these solo songs evolved that whole tour evolved but i feel like a lot of these songs were very different by the end of the tour
0: agreed um here's february 9th 1996 a few days later and i want to play the ending this was on k-rock
2: This was from Breakfast with Tori, right? Kevin and Bean. They filmed it, I guess, and it ended up on like a CD, like Blender. One of those 90s CD magazines and
0: performances. Uh That's a good one. Oh, great. Yeah. These are all prior to tour too. I mean, she did Marianne a lot prior to tour. She gets to tour and she performs it on the Dew Drop In Tour 47 times. Not a lot. Not a again, lot. Again, out of 180
2: shows, I think yeah. last episode we said Mr. Zebra was, what, 30? It seems like, mm-hmm. I
0: would have guessed that this song was performed a lot more over mm-hmm. the course of that tour. The first recording that we have of it, although I have possibly found a bootleg of an earlier recording, um, and that may be coming to me soon, a cassette in the mail, the extensive amount of research we do here at the drive all night headquarters into the vaults into the vaults but the first live recording we have from the Do Drop in tour is march 9th in london let's take a listen
3: and i don't know much what you say but come to me
0: yeah <laughs> you accept i, I good. Accept it. fine that was the first recording we had but that was the sixth time she played it
2: i think it's interesting the very first show i guess she was still playing with the format she closed the main set with it and that became where she performed me and a gun for pretty much oh, the rest she's... of the tour so i guess she tried it that first night and was like yeah it doesn't feel right <laughs> for some
0: reason interesting yeah you think there's a correlation of some kind it being played at the end of the set. For both songs, I mean. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Death of the Girlhood. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's play the story. She ha- There's a couple stories. Let's do what she said before the song in Washington, D.C. I got
1: a letter before the show today from someone that I've never heard from before. But we knew somebody. This somebody meant a lot to a lot of people. Her name was Maryam. That's her sister. Or a friend who knew her. There are a few here tonight who saw so much um, a better part of ourselves
0: and here it is June 8th in Milwaukee
1: I've got meanness in me and some of you girls have meanness in you too and it's not necessarily something I know we're very proud of. Well, sometimes I'm not when I'm vicious And that usually happens because oh God. Who knows why? But it's funny when it happens and you just become one of these like, um you know those comic books? Sven the Berserker. (laughs) Well, it'd be nice if I uh, had a better understanding of it. And I think those of you that have those crazy tempers know what I'm talking about. Now, some of you are at the other end of those crazy tempers, which isn't that funny either, is it? Or maybe it is, isn't it? You little, mm, 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 you little gimp you! But um, the thing is, this girl I knew once named Marianne, who was the absolutely, you know, coolest, she was totally cool. And yet she didn't have this meanness in her, she had so many other things in her, you know. And, uh, but meanness wasn't one of them. So when I was hanging around her, I didn't need to have this meanness. Basically, when my mother said, hey, um, oh my god, Marion killed herself, the only thing I could think of was, fuck you, mom. Because in truth, nobody was really the same.
0: Here's something really interesting that happened. You want to explain it? In Peoria, Illinois, on July 29th?
2: Yeah, during this performance, Tori is telling a story to introduce the song, as she did pretty frequently. And someone interrupts her, or someone starts shouting something out from the audience. And she actually stops and says, huh, and kind of puts her hand up to her ear, I think. And I guess the guy is saying, God bless Marianne. And it seems like Tori thinks for a second and kind of decides that that, adequately sums up everything that she was going to say anyway and just sort of says yeah and then launches into the
0: song there's video of it and we're Mm -hmm. going to include that on the video portion when these are released so please go to our youtube and but this is gorgeous Let's, let's listen she is in one of her most notable stories, right, would you say?
2: We're talking about Boulder? Yes. Yes. Let's just listen. Okay.
1: Um, when I started recording this record, it was uh, very interesting because um, none of these record guys wanted to let a woman produce her own record. They were very, very nervous about letting me do this. And uh, they were much more nervous when they heard it. (laughs) But, um, what sort of happened was I turned in the record. And um, I've never really had such a moment in my life. I mean, things were kind of better when I pooped in my pants. And uh, I walked in, and, um, you know, I've sold millions of records for this company. And I walked in, I'd had some pizza and a nice glass of wine, and I was like, "Well, I'll meet the new girls. And I know it's a little dark, but, you know, everybody needs... A good bottle of wine and some depressing songs every once in a while. And so I walked in, and uh, this is what I met. Oh,
9: <laughs>
1: so basically, what I said was after this record went platinum, I said, Well, we didn't do it because of anything you all did (laughs) and um, so I'm just saying it was because of um, you guys record companies radio had absolutely fuck all to do with any of this whole (laughs) world and that's the truth But the one thing is, you guys did, and this is one song that demanded to come tonight, because although she's not on this planet anymore, she was um, probably the main song that gave me strength to withstand when everybody said that I'd made a piece of shit.
5: From a posting to the RMTA News Group by DOOR. November 11th, 1996. Marianne. I also expected this one and was glad to hear it, because I hadn't heard it since L.A., I think. And it was never a favorite of mine at all. In fact, I found it rather boring until, well, until she called me Marianne. She said I was Marianne, that I was in the frying pan. But at least I had some oil. That was way back in L.A., though. Anyhow, signed. Open the door at aol.com.
0: Oh, you gotta love Shagamuffin, <laughs> and don't I? Reading the words of door. You were there, right? I was there. Yes. How was it?
2: Yeah, that's one of those moments that definitely stood out from that last show. Um, It was unexpected and she hadn't told the story in quite that way, including her experience with the record label and the promotion of this album and all of that. And I'm wondering why you think of all the songs on this amazing album, she goes to this one as the one that gave her strength when she felt like people didn't understand what she was trying to do with this album.
0: I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe because this was a pure moment in the recording for her where she felt really connected to the music. And when people said her shit was shit, then maybe she went back to this song because this song made her feel like she was connected to some greater tradition of musicians or some greater muse or maybe just Marianne herself made her feel like she was worth something. Mm. So that's maybe why she turned to this song. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that on all all fronts.
2: And, you know, this is a song that could have only come from Tori. And I think she knew that Mm -hmm. on some level. And I I agree with your use of the word pure. This is a very pure song in, in the sense that it just sort of seemed to be channeled through her. And it's almost... Her saying to herself, you still got that secret spell, girl. Like she knew, sometimes she knew that she was doing something that no one else could do and that certain people might not understand it, but the people who
0: would understand it would get it.
2: Yeah. And they were all there
0: surrounding her that Mm -hmm. night. You guys. I wish I'd have been there. Here she is. Um, she gave it a very public performance because it appeared in the Rain concert, which was later released on video cassette On deluxe VHS deluxe cassette. cassette. For, for, as the live in New York. Still deserves a DVD release. Yes. I think. Yes. But whatever.
1: This is for, um... <laughs> this is for somebody <laughs> who, um was one of the most magical people I ever knew and uh, she would have been here if she would have been here and sometimes I think she comes and visits me wherever people go when they leave this planet I don't know where they go but sometimes I feel her
0: In Plugged 1998 came around She played Marianne nine times A far drop from 47 times Yeah it all but disappeared um, Three times of those nine times it was played with leather So that's very strange Although again there's sort of a loss of innocence There too Oh yeah that's a really good point They do kind of go hand in hand thematically Maybe that's a overall motif of her music At mm-hmm. this stage in her career too Here she is September 27th In Phoenix Arizona Were you there? Why, because I'm Mexican? Because you lived there at the time. Oh, New Mexico is just like Arizona? (laughs) Because you saw a lot of shows in that area of the country. Oh, okay. It's the same. I'm on high alert after that shithole comment from that shithole. (laughs) Five and a half weeks came around. She did three times. That includes Five and the half to weeks. Dallas and back yeah. portion and without a Yeah, solo. Yeah, okay. it includes all of 99. Mm. So not very much. Ah, uh, strange little tour.
2: I don't have as strong a memory of that tour as some of the others, and I don't know why because it was a really strong tour. It was my preferred format. I don't know. Yeah, I was like in college at the time finishing up, and I think my focus was there. I wasn't as present during that
0: tour, but what about you? I loved it it's i don't think it's her best i i prefer her with the band but as far as solo tours go um, it was the first time she toured solo in so long so there's a there was a lot of energy around it Mm. Um, and i was yeah i was on board it was the first time that i got to see her solo because my first show was 96 so i never had seen her without at least katon you know what i mean i had seen her with katon with the band so it was great for me um she did it 10 times on strange little tour We're going to play San Diego, November 20th, 2001, the early show, because this is the first time I ever saw Marianne live. on Scarlet's walk mm-hmm. and she did it five times six times if you add a lot of pianos because she only did it once in a lot of pianos mm. the Summer of Sin and Original Sensuality Tour she played it guess how many times David well I'm cheating because I <laughs> happen to have it in front of me this time you have time. it on the show notes yes
2: so 22, which is a big uptick, and mm-hmm. that makes sense since this was a solo tour. So mm-hmm. there was more opportunity for her to play it, but it's also consistent with the theme of death that was oh, present yeah, on the sure. Beekeeper tour. So
0: Let's play a little bit from the original Bootlegs. This is from Chicago, April 15, 2005.
3: Don't you love the girls and ladies? Babes bags who say she was so pretty?
0: can of course purchase that we have links to it in our show notes support tori by the music 2007, we are here. Who's your favorite doll? Mm, You're such a Santa girl. I like Santa's song choices the uh, best. Okay. but I, you know, Pip was
2: You're the Pip. most exciting to watch. Fair. Yeah. Plus, she never. She, there were no Would warnings to- at
0: Santa front row may get wet.
2: Yeah. Like she never <laughs> it's a splash zone. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Gallagher. Like, oh Hatch. my eye.
0: Yeah. It's like going Citrus. to a Gallagher show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you knew you were in trouble when Santa sauntered out with a watermelon and a hatchet. Seriously. <laughs> She's so. combing the seeds out of her hair as she walked <laughs> off. Like, hang on. You're Vamp on do- Pro Widow. Vamp. He, she played it seven times in 07, 7 for 7. Hmm. And one of those was released on Legs and Boots. That was Melbourne on 18th of November. Let's play that one. Hold
3: Won't you just hold- 70
0: You can own that. If you go to iTunes, you can purchase that, and you can own that, your own digital copy of
2: that. Like you were saying, the song doesn't change that much and it doesn't need to, but it's always strong. It's always good. It's always Mm -hmm. welcome in Mm -hmm. any show, I think. It did change drastically
0: in 2012 with the orchestra. You want to hear that? Sure. This is from Warsaw, October 13th. not see any shows on the gold dust tour I couldn't afford it at the i know why um but we did skip 2011 the night of hunters tour with the quartet she did not do marianne with a quartet as david reminded me what did you have to say a little odd that she
2: didn't do it with the quartet it seems like it was built for that format she did do it solo the five times she played it and she played it december 18th in los angeles and i thought this marianne was
0: really strong december 18th 2011 <laughs>
3: Ay, ay, ay. She couldn't run by her she could have many thoughts of Mary
0: Let's skip ahead to 2017, the last tour. She did it three times on that tour in Milan, St. Paul, and Washington, D.C., or National Harbor. I saw two of those three. Which do you want to hear? Same let's hear the last time she I'm sorry I gave you the false option of choosing. <laughs> let's hear the last time she played Marianne. Yes.
2: Okay.
3: Two new ruby, a little
0: So guess how many times she's done it total in her career on tour. Over 100. Yes, 124. Ding, 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 ding. What tier is that? What status uh, is that? Let's, should we do that right now? Should we make the official at least 500? 500 would have, have to be gold status mm-hmm. you'd have to be at 500 to be gold status platinum yeah let's call that the platinum status nobody gets a platinum visa i more without comfortable having at least 500 dollars in the bank yeah to have like a
2: precious things and a cornflake girl having platinum platinum status okay, good. okay so
0: this is official now we're yeah. we're doing this officially 500 plus is platinum what is gold then 350 yeah 350
2: plus is gold so when you're boarding and traveling for tour precious things gets on the plane first like right. preferred status like out of right. my way here i come right and then gold is like rich but not old money <laughs> so would that <laughs> would that be a horses something Maybe. along those lines I will have to that count. was
0: like a staple for a yeah, while like but a, not a space dog probably
2: no 350 is a lot Mm-hmm. still probably a lot of stuff from little earthquakes just right. because
0: she's yeah. been playing them for so long yeah, yeah. So then what would be silver status? We'd have to do like 200 and above. Yeah. Okay, 200 and above is silver. Bronze over 100. 100 and, and over. And below
2: that is participation trophy.
0: <laughs> that would make Marianne just bronze. It's not even silver status, yet. yeah. Isn't that interesting?
2: Yeah, I would have expected it to be a little more present, especially on the Dew Drop-In Tour. It's yeah. funny to look at those numbers. Mm-hmm. That's something else, though, that was played at almost every show mm-hmm. at the beginning of the tour mm-hmm. uh, particularly on the european
0: leg, yeah. and then it went away yeah kind of a sort of fairy tale would be silver status oh I think sure it, yeah it's possible to reach silver status it's not like unheard of
2: don't you think each performance of a sort of fairy tale from the native invader tour should count as two though
0: <laughs> shade no i loved a sort of fairy. i tale. loved it that is not shade i actually really liked it but yeah. it was long it was very long yeah. and she was delighted about it i remember yeah. one piece of press she did she's like some arrangements are even 11 minutes long. <laughs> can you believe it? <laughs> like, can you believe we're going on that
2: long? Um, good on you, girl. That's why it's all like right. Vegas in there, no clocks. What? <laughs> like how, how long has this been going on? Exactly. Ooh, what day is it? You know what I miss? What? I loved on tour all night when you were doing like Tori Divination with the bag of songs. Uh-huh. I almost feel like we should do... Since this is the first show of the new year, we should do a Tory divination for the new year and like pull a song out.
0: Oh, I have the bag here. You do?
2: I do have the That's bag. That's awesome. Here. Oh, I didn't even get to do it. This oh is my amazing. god. <laughs> oh my god. That's crazy.
0: I've not taken this bag of songs out of my bag. I've rarely used you, this bag. Eve since always 200.
2: travels with a giant bag full of Tory songs. <laughs> is that not true, Zip-lub David? Look. Yep. Here it is. Here they
0: are. Let's do this. We have this bag of songs. If you don't believe me, here's the bag. I'm crinkling around in the bag to fluff up the songs. And those who got to pick on tour know what I'm talking about. They flatten in my bag, and it looks like not enough songs. Okay, what are you
2: picking out, David? Okay, we're going to do Tory Divination, a reading for the year to come. Okay, explain
0: to people what divination is, me especially.
2: Like fortune telling, or if you want to ask a question. All right, give a New New Year's reading. I feel like this works. Like, I take it more seriously than I probably should. I love this. Um, this is for the new year, right? Okay. 2018. You're going to let me pull this one? Yeah. This is Yeah, oh, big. God. We're asking uh, the Tory bag for a general reading on 2018, the year to come. Oh, Lord. And we should remember this, and in December, we'll hearken back to it and figure out if it was at all accurate or what we could take from it. Anastasia. Oh. Oh, yeah. oh no. no. You know what? Oh, I'm no. just thinking,
0: like, yes, Anastasia, Russia, what we're in right now. Like, yes, Anastasia, that's right. This bag is right. Too real. That, or maybe just, like, we'll see how brave we all are. Oh,
2: no. Oh, that God. doesn't bode well. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Texas. Should we do a backup for clarity just yeah. in case it has anything else <laughs> yeah. to tell us? Yes. Like, we're not comfortable
0: with that. What yeah. else you got? <laughs> Putting the damage on. Too real. Okay, next time we'll pull other ones. All right. Um, Well we did it David, welcome to the show Very happy to have you I'm thrilled to be here I'm very happy that maybe next week you'll not piss me off with your verbiage Don't count on it I mean I'm not counting on it I've never been more committed to something if you like what we do you can follow us on social media you can follow us at songs of Tomus on all platforms please visit our patreon patreon.com songs of where you can listen to our private podcasts you can get special content patreon.com songs of you can also visit our website songsoftoramus.com and sign up for our newsletter there I want to know what people
2: would like to do to celebrate Pele's birthday
0: oh yeah send us a tweet I mean we have to do
2: something yeah
0: send us a tweet hashtag Pele's birthday if you have something exciting that we can do meanwhile if you want to win this live at River Hall CD thanks to Chase Dymack who donated it to our show we're giving it away Call our hotline, 323-296-9955. Let us know your name and whether you are team noun or team verb, and we'll put all the people who call their names in a hat, and we will draw the winner next week. Which brings us to our contest winner for Mr. Zebra. You win a one-of-a-kind drawing from Rance Hosley. Thank you to everybody who participated. All right, and the winner is... I'm so nervous. Who is it? Dave Thomas. Oh, my God.
3: Go, girl.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, email us your address, and I will send you the one-of-a-kind, rancelously drawing of Mr. Zebra. Congratulations. We'll be back to talk about Caudillite's Knees. Sooner rather than later. Sooner I rather can't than later. wait. Bye. Hey, Drive All Night is a production of the Sideway Society. For more information and links to things mentioned in this episode, please visit us online at songsoftoriemis.com.